Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monoreal Radio, episode number 81. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. And uh, first off, thank you all so much for joining us this week as you do every week. We do apologize that we are uh, a couple of days delayed here with the show, but, I, I, you know, like everybody else in the world, um, you know, this is one of those really bizarre instances where, you know, Jackie and I are here to entertain, and, and we're here to, to make everybody happy. And by no stretch of the imagination do I want you to believe that what you're hearing on the podcast is fake. That's not it at all. But at the, at the root of this, this is entertainment. And Jackie and I come, you know, we met working in radio. Jackie still works in television. So at, at the root of this, this is about entertainment. And this is about an escape for so many people. But given the unfortunate circumstances that the world is in right now, because it's not just confined to one area, it's the world, there is no way to escape it. We're all being affected. And, um, it, you know, because of that, the show was delayed this week. Right, but we didn't want to not put one out right you know for those of you who uh follow us on social media some of you know that um we did make a quick visit down to disney springs this past weekend in its closing hours um we'll talk more about that in a little while that's not why we went that wasn't why we went we were there for family uh reasons and uh that's that's the most we'll say about that um, and it was just more convenient for us to fly in and out of Orlando. Or so we thought at the time we booked the flight. Right. And um, just happened to be that we were there right before it closed. Um, we'll get into that, you know, in a little while. But um, between that and coming home and, and both of us, uh, you know, having to work from home now, which is virtually impossible for me because I do work in sales and I am out on the road every day. Um you know, and even for you, you know, to, to go from working in Manhattan to working at home while the convenience of not having a commute is there, you know, at the end of the day, it's just not practical for either one of us. It's not practical for anybody that has to go through this right now. Yeah, I mean, I was very fortunate that I was able to be set up to work remotely with my company, um, which is producing a show for VH1 right now. And I really didn't think that was even going to be possible to do something that's so collaborative remotely and um just through gchat google hangouts text phone calls phone calls yeah we're we're getting it done i mean that's the thing you know because because you are so confined to text and phone calls and and maybe the occasional facetime what is typically a 10-hour day for me for you is now turned into a 13 14 hour day just because it's so it's so far less convenient because you're not just turning to the person next to you now. Basically, with the time that I'm saving on the commute, it's going right back into the show. Between having to do the extra communication and some of the technological glitches. I mean, what they did for us is pretty amazing that we're able... I'm basically logging into my computer in Manhattan from my computer at home. Um, so it's worked out great. But I mean, it's technology. There, The internet connection is sometimes spotty. We lost so, power today. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that was always, that was <laughs> that was interesting. The whole neighborhood lost power, but 
Oh, you know, between that and then coming home and, you know, we were fortunate enough where we had toilet paper and paper towels. But when we left, people weren't really quarantining and you could still get the essential foods at the grocery store. And we come home into this and, and you our just fridge was empty. It. You know, it's we've been at the grocery store literally every day this week. Just, you know, and it's kind of like spot fixes here. Like, okay, now I got the eggs. Okay, then the next day I got the cold cuts. And then today I was able to get the bread. It's, it's And we're, we're not hoarding. We're buying what we need. But, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. We were away. We didn't, we didn't get to prepare by going shopping this weekend. I mean, the dog's eating the carpet again. We did get him food. <laughs> it's not like he doesn't have food. But, like, this is yeah, what it has no. come down to. No, no. <laughs> and, like, no. full disclosure... Um, we're, we're not even going to, uh, lie about it. We're drinking wine right now. We, we usually do not drink when we record this show. The only other time we ever did it was when we had a tree fall on our house and we were talking about Spider-Man. Um, what were we doing? Homecoming. Homecoming. I was going to say far from home. It was Spider-Man homecoming. So after this, yeah, if we could get like a normal six month block, that would be much appreciated universe. It would be very fun. Well, with all of that being said though, we are pressing forward. Um, we know that Mulan has been postponed, uh, you know, a whole slate of films and television shows have been postponed, but the fact of the matter is we were gearing up towards this doing Mulan this week was always in our time, uh, or in our plans, I should say, because by this time, I mean, it's at the time that we're recording this, it's, you know, it's Thursday night. People, and I'm sure we would have as well, been at um, at Thursday night screenings of the movie. I mean, this is just what we had prepared for, and the option was to not bring you a show this week or press on and give you Mulan. And, you know, to be honest with you, we felt it was important to not skip a week, and in spite of all of that, you know, this this is an escape for us. You know, we, we can sit here and this is an hour to an hour and a half, depending on how much we pontificate about the film, where we can kind of clear our minds a little bit. And for those who um who those who follow uh, follow us on social media, excuse me, um uh, you know by now that this coming Sunday night at 7 p.m. we are doing a screening, uh, virtual screening, a little get together on Facebook. We'll do it on Facebook Live, uh, where we can all watch Frozen 2, that's going to be at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll give you some more information uh, towards the end of the show, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention that as well because really that goes hand-in-hand hand with recording this show and really all being together as a Disney community. Brendan and Catherine over at Detour to Neverland have done a great job of that. John Sakari has done a fantastic job of that. He did a virtual ride through of Kilimanjaro Safari on Facebook or uh, on YouTube yesterday. Lou Mangello had a really good live show yesterday. So, you know, we're really all really just coming together as Disney content creators to, you know, just try and give you get, try and give you anything that we can. Because for so many of us it's it's about the social interaction and now that we're all social distancing there's a way of doing that, but still kind of bringing everybody together. So that that's kind of the long and the short of it. There's really no short answer. Uh, you know, there's no short way around any of this right now. And so with all that being said, we are pressing through. Uh, we are, uh, you know, pressing forward here with Mulan. This was, I believe, the ninth film in the Disney Renaissance. This one coming towards the tail end of the Disney Renaissance this is a film that going into the viewings this week, 
was sort of polarizing for you and I. Um, because admittedly, this is not a film that, A, I've seen too many times, but it's also not a film that I've ever really enjoyed all that much. And I feel like I'm in the minority when it comes to my opinion of this film. So I was very much interested in giving this a viewing with some fresh eyes here. For you, though, was this a movie that was sort of in its... Was was it in the, the, the rotation for you normally? I wouldn't say it was in the rotation exactly. We did see it in theaters. I definitely liked it when we saw it. But I was 12 when this came out. And the next one after this was Tarzan, which I was all about because NSYNC did a song for the Tarzan soundtrack. So I was pretty obsessed with that one. But... At this age, I don't want to say that Disney was being phased out because it never really was, but I was getting into more romantic comedies and things like that. And I think around this time, Austin Powers came out. Um, so I was definitely yeah. getting into more of the teen movies. Yeah, Austin Powers was either 96 or 97, but then um, the sequel came out and... Since it's a family show, I will not say the name of the sequel or the third movie. But um, yeah, those had come out. And I think we saw Hunchback in theaters. And similarly, as a 12-year-old boy, I think my focus was shifting as well and my priorities. And I, I can say that when you're a 12-year-old boy, in the 90s, it was easy for Disney to go to the back burner. You know, it's not like it is now where... They have Star Wars and Marvel. It wasn't, it just wasn't the same. It, you know, a kid now, a 12-year-old boy now, has plenty that would keep him coming back. Because that's, I mean, that's it. He's going to watch Star Wars. He's not going to watch Frozen. But it's it's still under the same umbrella. Right. I mean, we did have, well, this isn't really a fair comparison either because episode one came out also around this time. But if that's your uh, jumping point for Star Wars, that's not really a cause to get into it. But anyway, you're right. It's not like you had Marvel to be watching when you were 12. Exactly. Um, but that's not to say I didn't like it. I always liked Mulan as a child. But we're going to see if it holds up. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Let's get down to business. When the film opens, we find China being invaded by the Huns, led by Shan Yu, breaching the Great Wall. When the Chinese emperor receives word, he immediately orders mobilization, requiring one man from each family to join the army. We then meet the Fa family, where the only man able to join is Zhu, an aging army veteran. His daughter Mulan can't stand the thought of her father going to war, so she cuts off her hair, steals his old uniform, and joins the army in his place, which to her is preferable to finding a husband. When Mulan's family realizes what she has done, her grandmother prays for her safety, and her prayers are answered in the form of Mushu, a small dragon who is shunned by the Fa family ancestors. Mushu makes several misguided attempts to help Mulan not only pass for a man, but also through boot camp. Mulan, now Ping, is extremely awkward in both areas, is picked on by her fellow recruits, and written off by her captain, Li Shang. Desperate for her success so that he can redeem himself in the eyes of the Fa family, Mushu creates a fake order from the general for the new recruits to follow the army into the mountains. When they do, they find the Huns have massacred the imperial army, including the general who happens to be Shang's father. 
While the recruits and Shang mourn the loss, they are discovered by the Huns and attacked. As Shang tries to get his men to fight, Mulan cleverly figures out an escape and uses their last cannon to cause an avalanche, which buries the Huns. However, she doesn't escape without a scratch and is exposed when her wound is treated. Mulan's actions are punishable by death, but Shang spares her life, recognizing that she saved them. He then leaves her alone on the mountain, where she learns that Shan Yu and a few of his men survived. Mulan catches up with Shang and his men and tries to warn them that Shan Yu is still alive, but they ignore her and continue on to the celebration the Emperor is having in their honor. The Huns crash the party and take the Emperor hostage inside the palace. With the help of the army recruits and eventually Shang, Mulan figures out a way into the palace where they defeat the Huns, and Mushu launches a firecracker at Shan Yu, killing him in the resulting explosion. After listing out all of the ways Mulan sh has shamed her family, the emperor rewards her with his crest and the sword of Shan Yu, which she brings home to her father. Zhu doesn't care about the gifts, only that Mulan is home safely, but that is not all she brought back. Shang visits the Fa home under the pretense of returning Mulan's helmet and is invited to stay for dinner, or forever, and the Fa family, ancestors included, celebrate and reinstate Mushu as a guardian. So I don't want to give too much of my opinion away out of the gate, but I think this is a good jumping off point because it's important to mention how well this film balances misogyny and feminism. I would agree with that. And I think they do it in equal measure with the character development of Mulan and with the plot. For example, and we are going to get more into her character a little bit later, but I think it was a really smart choice to make her more awkward as in the sense of not fitting in as opposed to being a tomboy. And it's more effective for her to have to figure out who she is than prove herself in the society. Cause it's a given that a woman's role was completely different. Yes. And obviously it's a culture that Disney had not really tackled up to this point in time. So I understand the appeal of this character but this movie, and and I listen, nothing I'm going to say for the next half hour to 45 minutes is popular opinion. So I'm, I'm just putting that out there. This movie, to me, is, is nothing that special. And I, let me tell you why. Because it's formulaic. Mulan is absolutely the same as Princess Jasmine in her motivation and her logic. She does not want to be betrothed to a husband. Mm -hmm. She wants something more. The difference between Jasmine and Mulan is that Mulan enters the military to protect her father Whereas Jasmine just wants to be her own person and have her own opinion and her own say. And obviously they piggybacked off of that when they did the live action remake of Aladdin. But sticking with the animated classic, I don't see how Mulan is that much different from Jasmine to a lesser extent. She's not much different than Ariel. The, the, the comparisons I'm making to Mulan... And the princesses that came before her are the exact same comparisons that I kind of made with Pocahontas. Another movie that it, 
I said it was fine. It's good, but it has zero rewatchability for me. Well, I think that's also part of the 90s trope is that you know, feminism was very popular and it was all about women's libs. So I think no matter what, if you are going to do a film that is centered around a female character, she is going to be defiant. defiant. But I do see the similarities, like you said, to Jasmine, to Ariel, to Pocahontas. Um, the difference, though, is that this film, you know, and we were saying it when we reviewed Pocahontas and Hunchback, is that the later Renaissance, they started doing away with the fairy tales and they were well Pocahontas is completely different because it was right. you know loosely based on a true story exactly and Hunchback was based on a book this was based on a poem so your outline was there the poem was about a girl who chopped off her hair and went to war in her father's place um which if you explain that plot to me I go okay I'm in right but that's where I'm saying this film was so good at balancing itself out because you can't ignore the culture and the history that does play into this story. And they managed to tell it in a way that allows her to be defiant, but it still thoroughly explained how women were treated in this culture. Yes, I'm not arguing the overall message or purpose of the film. You broke down the story as being based on a poem where a girl chops off her hair and joins the military to take her father's place and protect him. And I immediately said, I'm in. Well, if I twist that a little bit and I say, here's the plot of the movie. Lead character wants more in life and goes on to, the, to defy the odds and her critics. Could you narrow down which movie I'm talking about? No. I could probably give you a list of five Disney movies Within where that Within 10 years of each other, yeah. mind you. Yeah, So to talk, to, let's go back to what you were saying. I was going to save this for later, but I'm just going to go into it right now. I think my biggest issue with this movie, you, you said it before, it balances out the misogyny with her sort of making light of it and sort of being a fish out of water and the awkwardness, correct? Or we're on the same page there? Mm -hmm. Here's what I've never liked about this movie, and still don't, even when I watched it this week. A great deal of this is like watching a caricature of what people think masculinity is. We're going to fight because it's masculine. We're going to spit because it's masculine. We're all going to skinny dip in a jolly fashion because apparently that's masculine. I get it. I understand the stark contrast that you are trying to develop so that you can really immerse her in a world where she is a fish out of water, but it feels like it's done too forcefully. She's too lost in this world She's too clumsy in this world to the point where I actually think it waters the character down. This coming from someone who loves my cousin Vinny. Yeah. 
I don't understand where the I don't understand where the comparison comes though between this and my cousin Vinny. Fish out of water and being so obviously driven home. What's a grit? I hear what you're saying. But, I, but here's the thing. That's done comedically. You're doing it here to try and establish that this character is in over her head. But she's already a strong character. You see that from the jump. The minute she cut her hair off and joined the military, you didn't need to tell me that she's a strong-willed character. I already knew that. But you had to give her something else. And that's where I'm saying it's bound. Because we obviously know she cares about her father, that she stepped up. Okay, fine. But you had to give her more of a reason. And that awkwardness and the storyline with her supposedly being betrothed or trying to be married off, that gives her the jumping point other than just trying to save her father. You need you needed to give her more of a push because otherwise she is going against her culture so much and there are such giant repercussions. I mean, she's risking her life going to war because obviously war is dangerous, but the penalty if she gets caught is death. So you had to raise the stakes other than her just doing this for her family and give her a reason to do this for herself. And, you know, I think they did a really good job of that. Um, To touch on what you said, though, about her being a fish out of water and being awkward, I don't think that they were overly driving that home because the comedy of it comes from the Mushu character. Because if you think about it, he's the one that's feeding her to do all of those things. He tells her to spit. He gives her, he tries to give her the name. Um, He's... Anything that's misogynistic about this movie is coming from him. And that's where they do a good job of that balance because it's coming aside from coming from Eddie Murphy and it being funny in and of itself because of who's delivering it. It's all coming from a small dragon who's been shunned by the family because he's made some poor decisions in his life. So you can't take him seriously to begin with. And he's giving her bad advice. And that's where the point comes across of this stark contrast between what is believed to be masculine and what is believed to be feminine. And it's sugarcoated in this feisty little dragon. I understand all that from a Mushu standpoint, but to tackle what I just said at the risk of repeating myself, which I do every week on this show anyway, Men do not spit because they're men. Men do not just fight because they're men. That's what I'm saying. Like, this entire setup is one trope after another after another. And in 1998, when Disney had already made films like Hunchback, like uh, Beauty and the Beast, like Aladdin, and like Little Mermaid, they were better than this. I feel like they set this up because this was the easy way of setting it up. P- people do not behave this way. And and I, I get that you're trying to make her a fish out of water. I understand that you're trying to put her in a world where society believes that she doesn't belong. They've already told her that. I don't need to see her try and spit and have it run down the side of her face and have her suck it back into her mouth. Because men just spit. You get, do you get what I'm saying? I'm not. I'm not offended. So let's let's not mix signals here. Chill out, folks. I'm not offended, and I'm not being triggered. There's another phrase I hate. 
because of the way that masculinity is being caricatured here, I'm just saying it's not real. It is the most inauthentic thing in this movie. And it feels like it. It felt like it in 1998 when I was 12 years old. And it feels like it now as I sit here as a 33-year-old. In 21 years, this has not aged well. And I think Disney is better than this. I I truly believe that to lean on this as a means of developing a story was sloppy. I can definitely appreciate what you're saying. From a story perspective, though, they, and you're right, it could have been anything else other than spitting, but they did have to do something other than make the obstacle just getting through the boot camp. They had to do something other than the physical. They had to give her a mental challenge to overcome as well. Well, I think that certainly... If you would have had during the boot camp, I mean, they they weren't afraid to be misogynist in the movie. You could have just as easily done that throughout because I believe it was um, A Girl Worth Fighting For was the song where she talked about loving a woman for her mind and for her opinion. And they Mm -hmm. were like, nah, I feel like they could have done things like that over the course of the boot camp through dialogue that made her uncomfortable. And maybe at first she kind of goes the, oh, 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 yeah, guys, because she puts on that horrible voice. I don't know. I, I still don't understand how any of them didn't recognize her as a woman, by the way, between the voice and everything else. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I would have been very interested to see how this played out in a live action movie because I actually think that this movie needs a live action remake and I'm glad that we're getting it because I think I'm going to enjoy the live action remake more for reasons like this. Um, but I feel like they could... I, I understand you're trying to be sensitive and it's a kid's movie and and you and it's a family film so you, you, you have a line, you have, you, you have to tow it and you don't really want to offend anybody but I feel like if they would have been making misogynist comments that maybe got a little more harsh and a little more harsh. And as it went on, she finally speaks up and says, you know, I, I don't want to hear this anymore. And then does the old uh, love somebody for their mind and for their opinion and not just for this. And they're not just meant to be people that live in the house. Like you want to do something like that in conjunction with she's physically not as strong as some of the other soldiers but she uses her logic to get around that. It's no different than what you see Steve Rogers do in the beginning of Captain America before he gets the serum because he's up against people that are physically more... They're, they're stronger, they're more capable than he is in boot camp. The same thing could have, done, could have been done here and I feel like they would have... I think they could have weaved a better story out of it. That's, that's my point. The, the mental joke, or playing with somebody's mind, I will give them credit. When she decides she's going to go in and bathe, and then the guys jump in again. We don't all skinny dip. I don't know where that came from. But when, when she jumps in, and they jump in after her, and they're like, Oh, come on, let's climb on the rock, and, and let's wrestle. And she's got to find her way out of it. That was funny. I think that was well done. But for the rest of this, I just feel like there was a there was a more sophisticated way that Disney could have done this, a smarter way. But I think that still serves toward her character because if you think about it, 
she's doing all those things like putting on the voice and spitting because of Mushu and part of part of the whole her whole story arc and which also does serve to the plot is her figuring out who she is so the second that she stops listening to him she does something does click with her and she is able to match most of the men in the physicality and get through boot camp because she realizes that her wit is going to carry her through it and i think that's part of it is she is doing all this stupid stuff and it is so over the top awkward because she's not listening to herself she's not looking at her own reflection if you will um to touch on what you said though about the skinny dipping scene I don't think that that's done as like one of these generalizing male behavior and trying to make her fit into it. I actually think that that's a brilliant scene for a close call of her being discovered. I think it was less about her trying to fit in because at this point, this is after I'll make a man out of you. She does fit in. She is able to match their pace and she's even coming out ahead of the pack at this point. So you had to sort of knock her down a peg one more time where there's she's still in jeopardy of being found out. I want to circle back to something else that you mentioned as far as her passing for a man um, from a physical standpoint and, you know, how it's no wonder she wasn't found out. I mean... I think you're right. I think they are going to to address that in the live action. I hope they do because if I have one knock against this movie, that would be it. I think they did a great job of drawing an androgynous character where she does look feminine, she does look masculine when needed. Um, a lot of the times it's played up with the makeup, like when she's getting ready to go see the matchmaker, obviously she looks very feminine. And um, her face is neutral enough where it's really the wardrobe that changes. Um, but the other thing that they did, aside from hair up versus hair down, her face is more angular when she's ping. It's very round as Mulan. And then as soon as the hair goes up, like that should be enough. But they did give her more of a jawline as Ping. And I think that was kind of a mistake because as the audience, obviously, we're still going to know that it's Mulan. So I don't know if they maybe had two different animators working on Mulan versus Ping. But like, I think that was kind of a mistake to not have the same face throughout. And the eyebrows change a little bit too. As Ping, they're a lot more arched and they're a little bit thicker. And as Mulan, they kind of, they almost look like they're always furrowed. Mm -hmm. Like she's always kind of like thinking about something. Um, but I, I think, you know, just for a child to grasp, it should have been like hair up, hair down, and it, it would have been simple enough to follow. Right, because for a film that's otherwise beautifully animated and still looks good to this day, whether it's on VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, or streaming, um, yes, that to me is, it's a startling miss. One of the other scenes that I don't like about it, um, I I like that she was the one to figure out the avalanche and they're down to their last cannon. And now, you know, she's proved that she can hang with the boys and that she can fit in, in the army. But like now when it comes down to it, 
it's almost like boy girl doesn't matter because she's smart enough to save them. So you have this brilliant trick where she wipes out the Huns and then they also get caught in the avalanche and they, they go off the cliff almost like frozen and um, they use one of their boot camp tricks to pull her on top of a horse who is also carrying Shang back up over the cliff. And that's where I kind of get taken out of the movie a little bit. I mean, granted, it's an animation, so we'll suspend reality. But that just seems even a bit far-fetched for the animation. Are you talking about when a handful of guys are able to pull up Mulan holding another human being while also being straddled to a horse? Yeah, But she's not even like strapped to him he she's just like got him between her legs yeah it's yeah <laughs> it's, it's not it's not all that convincing um and then after that when she is exposed i mean i i guess that's it you are supposed to be angry on her behalf i just think it's completely ridiculous that when she's found out this act of treason overpowers everything that she's accomplished to this point right you know what else doesn't sit well with me? And I like Eddie Murphy. And I think Eddie Murphy's great in this movie. I like Mushu as a character. But what I don't like is that I kind of feel like they were using the Hanna-Barbera soundboard for a lot of his sound effects. I kind of felt like at times when he'd slip and fall or when he'd squeeze something or when he'd hit something... It sounded like they pulled it out of Looney Tunes, which I, I love Looney Tunes, but there's a time when I want to watch Looney Tunes and Animaniacs and Tiny Tunes, and there's a time when I want to watch a Disney movie. And I felt like they tried too hard to add comedy to a character that was already funny. And I think that it's a total distraction and it's completely unnecessary. And again, it cheapens a film that has otherwise gone out of its way to cheapen itself plenty at this point. I'll give you that, especially when we first meet him and uh, he's got to wake the ancestors and he's got the little gong. But it, it sounds like he's hitting the top of a trash can. Yeah. It's just such a hollow sound. While we're on the topic of Mushu... I do like his whole sub subplot where he has to prove himself to the ancestors. Mm -hmm. I think that that was a clever way to move the story forward other than just giving Mulan a sidekick because she also has the cricket too, yeah. which her grandmother gave her for luck. That, I don't know, that's kind of jarring to me because when you think about how other crickets have been portrayed in the Disney canon, yeah. I.e. Jiminy, and we just reviewed Pinocchio not too long ago. Um, it's just so weird that Jiminy is such, such an integral part of Pinocchio, and now you have this cricket that kind of helps out by dumb luck most of the time. And more, more often than not, he's helping out Mushu rather than Mulan. But I do like that Mushu isn't just your regular sidekick, and he's helping her, but there is an ulterior motive. While we're moving on to characters here, um, I want to talk about Shan Yu for a minute, voiced by Miguel Ferrer, who a lot of you know as Quigley from Blank Check. 
So <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to see him back. Uh, that's, because that's like two weeks in a row we've gotten to mention Blank Check. He's the most enjoyable part of this movie, other than Mushu. Because I actually do like Shan Yu as a villain. I like how he's drawn. I think the way that Miguel Ferrer voices him is phenomenal. I think that he is an underrated villain and often a forgot-about villain. And maybe that's because while he's not necessarily a real person, this is, I can't even say loosely based on history, but the Huns and everything else. The Huns are historical figures, yes. You're really not going to glorify him, but with that being said, I do think that he is... Uh, he is a spectacular villain, and I think he's just a very good character. I agree with you. I like the way that he's drawn. I like the way that the Huns are a very stark contrast to the rest of the people in the film. Um, I mean, he's evil, sure, but he d- he doesn't really do that much for me. You know me. I like my Panache villains, and and he's certainly not. He's just angry. Moving on to the gang of three here, as they are called. You have Yao, voiced by Harvey Firestein. You have Ling, voiced by Getty, I believe it's Getty, uh, Wantanabe. And you have Chen Po, voiced by Jerry Tondo. Um, the good comic relief. I like Harvey Firestein. I, I kind of, I like Harvey Firestein in basically anything that he's in. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, you can't really say anything bad about Har- Harvey Firestein. He's great. Um, probably Mrs. Doubtfire's my favorite Harvey Firestein, though. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I love him here. And it's, you know, you recognize the voice immediately, but it's so much more angry than anything else he's ever portrayed. Um, so when I when I realized it was him, I, I just thought it was such a brilliant performance. Um no, I love the Gang of Three. Um, I, they're great comic relief. Um, and I, I love how at the end it comes full circle and they're the ones who end up gender swapping to save the day. Yeah, that was really good. It was funny. Um, I like the relationship that they have with each other. I like the relationship that they eventually build with Ping and then Mulan. Uh, yeah, they're definitely likable characters. Um, and yeah. they're they're important to the story because yes. they like Ping Mulan, whoever, whatever her name is, as a person because she saved them and, and for her character rather than, you know, they're the first ones who realize that it doesn't matter what society says. It doesn't matter what culturally is we're, we're supposed to follow they believe her and they're going with her no matter what. Moving on to the animation, this is a movie that heavily relied on computer animation, not CGI per se, but you see the mobs of Huns, the the thousands of them, and I think they said between face, outfit, outfit color, body type, they had something like 60,000 different models that they had developed to create the scores of people in this film. And I think it looked great for 1998. I said it before. I think it holds up now. I think the animation really does hold up now. And I like that they did draw influence from the Chinese culture when they did 
develop some of the architecture and even some of the backgrounds and colors that they put into this film. Yeah, I mean, I I think for when they did use CGI in this movie, it was really important to get it right because you're talking about post Toy Story. So you did a whole movie in the computer. You really can't screw this up. Better the better than Pocahontas. Definitely better than Pocahontas. I would say on par with Hunchback because we did see a lot of the same things. For example, when they do the Great Wall in the beginning, uh, they use the full plane, which is created in the computer to mimic the multiplane camera. So we see it when in Hunchback when um, you know you're kind of sweeping through Paris in the beginning and you go right up to the cathedral, and we see it here uh, on the Great Wall. Um, I think that. Hunchback did a better job with the crowd, not not in the hunt scene, but I'm talking about using the crowd as a character because we talked last week about them being, you know, the angry mob when they needed to be um, and that the crowd was a character in and of itself here. um, Aside from the hunt attack, which is a brilliant sequence because, you know, it's not only creating almost 60,000 different moving people it's also the spatial relationship to the camera because they're coming over a hill and they're coming down to attack uh shang and his men um so they they in the snow of all things too so they're they're doing you know they're on horses and they're creating the tracks through the snow it's a really really well done scene um but i'm also thinking of the emperor's palace at the end too there's just a lot of cheering going on. There's a little bit of movement. Um, I think, you know, with the fireworks and all of the Chinese lanterns, uh, it does sort of distract from having to really animate them and, and give them a lot of great detail. Um, so in that regard, I think Hunchback was better. But overall, I mean, the the CGI is really, really great. They used it to their advantage because nobody was going to sit there and, and draw 60,000 people over and over. Um, and to touch on what you said too about, um, you know, the overall aesthetic of the film, one of the things that I found really interesting was that, um, you know, the, the team spent three weeks in China, just taking in the architecture, taking pictures, um, and, and just soaking up as much as the culture as they could to put in this film. And I think they did a really good job of that. What was interesting to me is that aside from just getting the look of, you know, the pagoda type buildings, um, you know, they, they drew those accurately, but what they said was that, um, they learned that the, the arches are supposed to face the heavens and they not only pulled that into some of the buildings that they drew, but they, they pulled it into a lot of the animation. It was just kind of interesting to see that they were more, uh, focused on, how their art was being influenced than actually getting it culturally accurate. That's not to say that it's not culturally accurate, but they were more abstract about taking what they learned in those three weeks and reflecting it in their art as opposed to getting it spot on. And Disney has always been really good and and so tasteful and artistic and so detail-driven, which... I guess when I sit here and I have the issues I have with the film, that's where it's even more maddening for me as somebody that doesn't really like this movie all that much, where 
you have animators that take so much time and and they are so delicate with what they are putting on the screen for a company that has been so influential in storytelling for the storytelling at times to be so weak in this movie and to be so cheapened i keep coming back to that phrase but i don't know how else to say it and at times clumsy it it's just so disheartening like i ver- i really want to like this movie more than i do but if i haven't gotten around to liking it in 22 years i don't think it's going to change anytime soon and that's kind of disheartening for me to say because i think the world that they created here was absolutely stunning in addition to the characters and the costumes and all of that right and you had even said that before that no matter what format you're watching it on it still does hold up but yeah i definitely want to touch on that because they did such an amazing job like to me when i think about chinese architecture and even like how they how they have china in epcot it's so detailed and they managed here to get that detail without it the backgrounds overpowering the characters um you know throughout the throughout the film i mean the mountains and the snow those are easy that's a given but they use a lot of like light pastel colors but even you know when i'm thinking china i'm thinking of bamboo and the cherry blossoms and usually those things are so so super detailed and they manage to get the detail but at the same time flatten out the background so that it's not overtaking your character moving around and especially at the end too you know I was talking about the crowd scene before um obviously it's very busy there's a lot going on but it's also the palace is red that's very, very hard to do because the red is so distracting and they managed to balance out that palette really well. The only thing I don't like about the animation in this film is that we had come so far with these realistic animals at this point. I mean, think about it. This is only a couple of years after The Lion King here. Yeah, I think we have the same note. And the horse goes back to like Robin Hood era and the dog. Little brother. Looks like Stitch. Yeah. But just so one dimension. I mean, the the eyes are just two black dots. Yeah. There's no detail. There's no nothing. Yeah. Uh, that, that was a big miss for me. That was the first note I have is the dog looks like Stitch. Moving on to the soundtrack. Honor to Us All is the first song that you hear. And I actually do like this tune. I think that it does a good job of setting up everything that you were about to see. And I also think that it does a nice job of introducing you not only to what they believe Mulan is supposed to be, but also to some of the background characters that you're going to see throughout the film. Yeah, and this is a great example of what I was talking about earlier of how it's so balanced as far as not being overly misogynistic. Um, You know, it... It explains the culture. It explains what is expected of Mulan. Um, But the song is very tongue-in-cheek because you're talking about... One of the lyrics, I think, is... um, You you want something to the effect of you you want to make them go to war for you. Yeah. And it's not just about finding a husband, but, like, now you're saying that 
politics are also riding on on you picking out a suitor. I mean, that's a lot of pressure. And, you know, the way that Mulan is getting ready throughout this and her awkwardness um, and some of what the other girls who are being like almost auctioned off are saying, it's such a tongue in cheek balance to what the older generation is singing about getting them ready. So I like that they kind of have two different points of view as far as the age group. And it is starting to become more of a temporary mentality. But then at the end, when the song transitions into Mulan's part, it amazes me like how much pressure she's putting on herself uh, to make this work, to not disappoint her family, even though it's not what she wants. Right. Reflection is the next song on the soundtrack. This is, in my opinion, the number one song in the movie. It's the best song in the the movie. It's beautifully sung. I think that it gives uh, great background for the character. I think that it really starts to peel back the layers of that character. And uh, it's my favorite song on the soundtrack. Reflection is amazing, but for a song with such a powerful sentiment, it's so short. It's two verses in the film, and I'm really surprised they didn't pull another one from the radio hit. Oh, the Christina Aguilera radio hit? The song that changed her life. But yeah, this is such a, a character moment for her, and it's it's leading up to her making her decision. I'm surprised it, it was just over so fast. There's still a build, you know, there's still notes that she belts out, but I, I just wanted more. If I have one criticism of that song, it's that I do wish it was longer. I'll make a man out of you. You want to go? I love this song. I mean, first of all, we've got Donny Osmond. And nothing makes me feel manlier <laughs> than Donny Osmond. Uh, I, I think the song is... Absolutely brilliant. Um, it's it hits on character development. It hits on plot. It hits on humor. the The whole sequence is just amazing. I may have liked it a little bit more if Marie sang it. I mean, oh I, I don't know. Goodness. I don't know what to tell you. I I don't. I I no, no. I don't understand the hype around this song. I know people, and 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 specifically, Brendan Wright has probably shut this podcast off. Uh, at this point, because I know he loves this song. But I, I know people who listen to this at the gym. They have it on their run Disney playlists. I don't get it. Are you serious? I think this entire thing is just a ball of cheese. <gasps> Be a man. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Be a man. No. And it's it it's it's every other problem that I have with this movie put to music. Wow. But but to if me, if I never hear this song again, I'm fine. But see, that's the brilliance of it because it's again, it's balancing out the misogyny. Because if they were singing "Be a Man" and she was still failing, it would be horrible. But this is where she something clicks with her and she figures out how to make this work for herself, and. 
it's it's not just her character. It's also for what Shang is up against because he's trying to prove himself to his father, who's the general, and he's got to mold this band of misfits for all intents and purposes. You know, that's that's the thing, and this is one instance where the the movie doesn't necessarily do a good job of explaining it, and I'm only realizing that right now. It's like the Patriot, where you have the army, and then you have a bunch of people who volunteered that aren't necessarily the first choice of who's going to go to war. They just needed them. They needed people. Right. And you have to strengthen them up to what you need them to be. So it's just as much character development here for Shang and for the gang of three as it is for Mulan. And I think that it's done so well. You know, you've got the montage, which I think is a better training montage than even in Hercules. Um, so so that's going. It's done with humor. And again, like I said, it's, it's that balance. Because if Mulan at this point couldn't figure it out, I think I'd feel a lot differently about how a female is being portrayed in this film. A girl worth fighting for. So, okay. This song is fine. Well, I don't even want to say it's fine. It's a fun song. I understand the purpose of having it there. And when she, as Ping, chimes in, as I mentioned earlier, to get laughed at because you know it's what they're going to laugh at when she says, why don't you just like a woman for her mind and not for her looks or for her cooking, all of the other things um, that they're talking about. But other than setting up that line, which I feel like could have been set up throughout the boot camp, as I said earlier, and other than them using it to further drive home the misogyny, for a lack of better term, maybe not even the misogyny. I don't want to say it's misogynistic per se, but maybe the um, the simple-mindedness of what the woman's place was, especially in the home. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think at the time, people, cultures being what they are, you don't have to agree with them now, but they kind of didn't know any better, and, and people sort of just followed the formula. And, and obviously, she doesn't want to do that. But... I don't think that this really provides much in moving the story forward. See, I think it does because I I actually think it's really clever because now at this point you've proven that you can fit in physically, which we just did, you know, and and make a man out of you is not, I I would say it's probably within what, like 10 minutes of this number, if, if even that. So you've proven she's, she's got it physically, but you still need to give her a challenge other than the war that's in front of them. And um, this is more of a mental challenge because she's still trying to figure out how to fit in with the male psyche and she doesn't know how. Aside from the fact that she can't relate to what they are saying because she's not attracted to women, her beliefs on what a woman's role is is completely different. So I think this is another great example of the of the song working towards character and plot. And I think the ending transitioning into the hunt attack because it stops so abruptly is, is really great. And you it's see it's like the only time Disney's ever done anything like that. You also see that 
the general has been killed. So if it accomplishes anything, it's hitting you with a splash of cold water. Right. In conclusion for me, um, you know, I I said it before, this is not a movie that I've liked up to this point. It's not a movie that I am going to like moving forward. Is that to say it's a bad movie? It's not that it's a bad movie. I just have so many problems with it. I, I, if I've said it before, I've said it a million times, and I will say it one more time. I think for somebody so strong-willed and for somebody who's so intelligent, the fish-out-of-water thing doesn't work. I think that they stuck too much with clumsiness. I, I feel that that was very sloppy. Um, and I think it tries too hard to set up disastrous situations for her, again, very clumsy. Does the movie hold up? Um, the animation does, but they have a couple of lines where they joke about her participating in a drag show. Um, I I don't have a problem with it, but I feel like there are people who will have a problem with it. Um, I mean... Somebody dressing as the opposite gender is sort of the definition of a drag show, but because they were doing it for yucks, there are some people that will argue whether or not that holds up nowadays. Wouldn't fly now, yeah. That doesn't really have an effect on my final say or opinion of this movie, but I've already told you what I felt of it, uh, or what I thought of it, and I'm interested to see when it eventually comes out, the live-action remake, because maybe there will be something there for me. There's just nothing here for me tonight. Listeners, excuse me while I finish my wine. You're allowed to disagree, and that's fine. Um, But I'm just surprised that you dislike it that much. Um, Maybe... Maybe... I, I think I do have a greater appreciation for it now because you know when I was 12 watching this I was like all right cool great story feminist character girl cuts off her hair she goes to war she proves all the boys wrong she proves that she can do it and do it better than them catchy soundtrack great radio hit like Christina Aguilera you know checked all the boxes but Watching it now, I see so many more layers to the story. And I think what's the most important, like I said, is just the balance that's created between driving home how women were portrayed culturally and balancing that with a contemporary take on it and the attitude that the character has towards what her role is supposed to be. Um, you know, as I, I think as a female... I should be the first person that's offended by a film like this because they keep trying to knock her down. But it's more than just her coming back and proving that she can do it and proving it to herself. It's it's balanced out with her actions and her humor. And I think that Disney, other than like what you said with those, there, there's like one or two lines where they talk about the drag show. And, you know, other than those inappropriate comments, um, I, I think it handles the subject matter brilliantly. 
But we're interested to know what you have to say. You can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio what your opinion is of the movie. You can also send us an email, monorealradio at gmail.com. I am not going to enjoy reading emails and comments this week because you're all going to attack me. Get him. That's fine. Get her, Ray. Um, news this week. Uh, everything's Everything closed. is closed. <laughs> We can't even Corona. Plug, we can't even plug MVP for you this week because that's that's everything is suspended right now. Well, no, no, we we will plug MVP. I still want to book trips for later on this year. I I I mean, I hope after May we're gonna be fine. So I mean, look, kids are out of school. Book your trips now so that you can go down to the parks. Well, in a weird way as well, like this is where it really is beneficial to have a travel concierge. Especially, like, if you've not really booked a Disney trip before or if you're not totally, like, tuned in with what it takes to, to you know, book a trip like this. And then something like this happens. I mean, this is so unprecedented. But I would imagine for a lot of people, this is where it really is beneficial to have somebody like you booking it for them. I mean, I can't speak on behalf of the company I can't even, and I mean the Disney company, I can't even speak on behalf of Magical Vacation Planner because, honestly, we have no idea what's going on. We haven't been told anything. Um, you know, all we can do is is try and assist you. Um, we obviously can't make decisions for you. We can't tell you to cancel your trip. We can't tell you to rebook. You know, that's got to be entirely up to you. But... Um, we're we're going in October. We have our not so scary tickets. Um, I I hope that by then we're gonna be okay and that travel's gonna resume and we're gonna be back to business as usual. I I'm hoping by next month we're gonna go back to business as usual because I don't want to live like this anymore. So as of right now, um, in the Orlando Sentinel today, they said that Disney is targeting a mid-April reopen. So you can kiss April first goodbye. Um, especially after the state of Florida has closed bars and nightclubs for the next 30 days. Um, but, I mean, yeah, everything's closed. This is totally unprecedented. But on the bright side, Avengers is still slated to open in July for California. So there's that to look forward to. As of now. As of now. As, as at the time of this recording. Um, Will that change? Probably. But for now, they're sticking with it as planned. But anyway, um, if you have a trip booked and and you have questions, I'm more than happy to answer them. Or if you do want to book for the end of the year so you get some sort of Disney fix in, uh, get in touch with me on any of our social media platforms at Monoreal Radio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or you can email me at j.zolezzi, that's Z-O-L-E-Z-Z-I, at MagicalVacationPlanner.com. Um not only is everything closed, um, everything is pushed back. Everything is pushed back. Mulan, Black Widow, New Mutants. I blame the New Mutants for all of this because that we were finally was, getting it. We were finally getting it. The movie that was like never supposed to come out and kept getting pushed, and they finally said, "Okay, it's happening." No, it's not. So it's it's really the New Mutants' fault that all of this is happening. American Idol is suspended. I mean, and entertainers at Epcot have been let go. I mean, this is uh, this is just insane. I mean, I, listen, their contracts were up at the end of at the end of the month, I suppose. Anyway, and I guess this was just their way of well, we weren't going to bring you back, and since we're closing, we're just going to cut this off now. But I mean, I, I, I at the risk of repeating myself, 
And I've already done that, so I don't know why I'm even risking. Unprecedented. A, a completely. It's 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 earth shattering for for the Disney community. No, I mean nobody could have seen this coming, and it was so horrible reading all of the reports, especially once they dismiss the kids in the college program. Like your heart oh really God. breaks for them, and it, especially too thinking about all the families where, you know, outside of Florida where they're not APs or they're not part of the Disney Vacation Club. Um, the the people who this was their once in a lifetime to go with uh, as a family where maybe they saved and saved for years and you know they were trying to get the kids down there while they were young and you know they might not be able to go back it's it's really sad to think about and then to to top it all off we had to witness it firsthand is yeah. you know when they announced this mass exodus we um we had to book a last minute trip to Florida to go see family and being that it was spring break before all of this happened it just worked out better to fly in and out of MCO and everything we, was cheaper the airfare was cheaper the rental car was the cheaper, flight times everything. worked better so we were flying out in and out of the airport and you know they were announcing all of this was happening so we knew that we wanted to being that we were flying out of there we were going to stop in Springs you know just have a quick drink Got a couple of oh, souvenirs and get our a lot of shopping. As it turned out, I went to to D Style and got an entire Powerline outfit, and I couldn't be happier about it. That that was like the the beacon of hope in, in that whole weekend. But um, it was one thing to hear about it; it was completely different to experience it. And you're just walking around, and everybody's got the same blank look on their face that you do. Just nobody knows what is going to happen. It was packed there. I mean, finding parking was a pain. We didn't even shop at World of Disney because the line, the line zigzagged oh my God. and then wrapped like halfway around on both sides. Yeah, the line that that's like a two-hour wait, and it's a hey, you get online, and I'm gonna grab a bag, and I'm gonna start grabbing my souvenirs, and when I'm done shopping. I'm going to stand online and you're going to take the bag and you're going to go do your shopping and then we're going to stand online for an hour together. I will give this the the cast members credit. I felt oh that my it God. was organized. And they were so kind. They yeah. were so patient. They were they were still so upbeat. Like it it was really impressive to see them rally together. I mean they they gave you the same treatment that they always do under the circumstances. And with all of that being said, they were great. But for as many people as there was, as there were there, nobody smiling, nobody laughing, nobody singing along with the music that was being played. You know, because you have that music that's piped in, and so it, it's weird. So we we were sitting at Dockside because that's our spot, and you had said to me, "This isn't." normal but it feels right to be here because disney has become for us such a place of comfort you know and and a place that you feel like you can be yourself because there are a lot of people that don't get it there are billions of people that will never hear a single word of this podcast because they don't get it and disney is the place where for those who do get it it doesn't matter whether you're one or 100. You can just be you. And there's such a comfort level with being there. But 
you felt I've I've never felt vulnerable in Disney. Not as vulnerable as I felt sitting there this week. And that's not to say that I regret going. It's not that I say I wish we weren't there. I'm glad we were there. I'm glad we got to go. I'm glad that, you know, and and listen, there are a lot of people that have negative opinions of those who went this weekend. And I'm sorry, but that's not for you to say. Because, you know what? We went to a couple of bars and restaurants, and we tipped the staff. And we probably, uh, you know, not that we're cheap because I've worked in food and beverage for so long, but I'd say we tipped the staff a little bit more generously on this trip than we had in the past because, you know what, for some people, that's the last bit of money they're going to see for a while. Mm. And that's how I look at this because I've been on their side of it before. I attended bar for 13 years. I've been a server. I've been a maitre d'. I've been a runner. I've been a manager. So, you know, and, and now I'm a... Now I'm a provider to the prosumer. So, you know, to, to, to see it, and, and I know what that's like. I know what that's like going into a slow season and, and you're trying to balance your checkbook and make sure that your bills are paid. And you know what? There are a lot of times where your bills aren't going to get paid. And for a lot of these people, their bills aren't going to get paid. So if I'm able to go there and put just a little bit of money in their pocket, maybe, maybe that 10 or 15 bucks I threw them, puts them in gas in their car to get to their next job interview or, or it pays their cell phone bill, you know, at least it goes to that or or it buys them the toilet paper and the paper towels and the bottled water that they need. If you I, can find if it. You can, I don't know. But all I do know is that I felt good being able to provide a little bit of something to them. So for people to say online, shame on us, we shouldn't have been there, I'm, I'm going to... Uh, respectfully disagree with you and tell you that I don't believe that's your place to tell me that I should not have been there putting money into the pocket of people where a lot of them are never going to work at that park again. Just call it what it is. A lot of them are not cast members. They're not getting laid off. They're, 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 they don't have a job to come back to. No, we're not making light of the situation in any way. We're certainly not you know, taking the mentality of spring breakers who are like, we're going to party on no matter what. We were there. We were there for family. So it we had to go no matter what. We were just trying to find a little bit of light in a very, very dark tunnel and go to our happy place. And, you know, I'm glad we got to go in the sense of if I wasn't there, I would have been thinking about it, what it would be like to, you know, see everyone leaving and my mind would have just wandered right there of like what's Disney doing right now so I'm not sorry that we went but at the same time I never needed to see Disney like that and it was just weird for me personally because I went from experiencing this in Manhattan in Times Square to then being in Orlando and yes they are two of the most populated areas ever but like just to see what was going on and how the reactions were different but I, th I think one thing that it had in common whether it was Manhattan or whether it was Orlando it, it kind of and I hate saying this but like it kind of reminded me of post 9-11 just how everybody has that same look of being lost on their face and not knowing what to expect from day to day and it's it's terrible. Right. And I'd say that if we were to draw a comparison to anything just based on what we've experienced, you know, um, it, it probably is the one thing I hate to say it because they're so 
you know, they're so different. But yeah, that that's probably the one thing that in terms of people feeling helpless and scared and just having a lot of questions that they just can't get answered right now, that's the thing that I would have compared it to as well. But we're interested to know if you guys were at Disney World or at Disney Springs this week, you know, what your experience was. Again, let us know. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio. Email us, monorealradio at gmail.com. And we also want to know what you're watching on Disney Plus this week and, and how you're getting your Disney fix while this is closed down. Yes, and we mentioned it earlier. We will mention it again. Uh, if, you, if you're looking for that Disney fix, and we were kind of trying to figure out a way to bring the Disney community together because that's been the most amazing thing in all of this is watching the Disney community come together um and and we decided that the best way to do that was to have monoreal radio sunday night at the movies so uh from the safety and the comfort of your own home um and from ours we're, we're going to do a streaming party a virtual get together where we can all watch frozen 2 which was released on disney plus this past week three months early mind you um disney did that for people that are quarantined and for those who are just sitting at home and especially for those families that maybe missed out on their Disney trips and it just gives them something that they can do together so we want to be able to do that with you so we did create a uh, an event it is on our Facebook page monorail radio uh, uh, facebook.com slash monorail radio you can sign up there make sure that your notifications are turned on and uh, we're going to go live at 7 p.m. Sunday night Eastern Standard Time. That's this Sunday coming up. We apologize in advance for Walt jumping up in front of the screen. Because he'll do it. He will. Uh, and if you are of age, please join me in a frozen cocktail. Because I can assure you I will be having one. I mean, at this point, what else do you do? And we're also going to have a giveaway that we'll tell you more about on that show. But we did grab something uh, when we were down there in the parks. Uh, just a little something. Something that would be a little bit of fun. Um, for maybe one of your four-legged friends. That's the most I'll say about it for now. But we hope to see you all this week virtually on the live show. Again, facebook.com slash radio. Thank you so much for joining us this week and every week. And, you know, let's all just stick together as a Disney community. I know that, that the light of the end of the tunnel is coming soon. Um, it might not be as soon as as we want it to be, but but we will get there. And, and the only way to get there successfully is if we do all of that together. So for Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of. <laughs>